Name brand music productions in this motherfucker. There you go, there you go. There you go. Huh. We all about to find a thing. All about them designer things. I don't need no money, I got mouthpiece, my nigga. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I'm hot. I feel like pot. Praises like to the most high. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Termite and be easy on a beautiful, a little bit warm Saturday in San Diego, America's finest, bringing you that top shelf sports analysis. And as always, we're going to bring it to you sugar free, baby. Sugar free. Shout outs, B. Yo, shout out to Nadal and I can never pronounce his name right. The dude, uh, what's the what's the male tennis player's name? Dad, the best, the guy that's like the best guy in York, Jokov, Djokovic. Djokovic. Yeah. Shout out to them both on one of the best tennis matches I've ever seen in my life. Um, I've been watching them two go at it for years because mm-hmm. every time they play, it's, it's must epic. see TV. Like it's, it's must see TV. But even for them, the match that they just played was historic. You know, it's it's some of the best tennis I've ever seen and, and probably the best tennis I've ever seen on on that surface. I've never seen anybody play on clay that well. Never. Like they 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 had volleys going that were like fifteen shots long, Dad, and they had and they were sliding back and forth across that clay, getting to shots that nobody should be able to get to. Mm-hmm. Nobody should be able to get to and still keep it in play. It was just unbelievable, you know, and if you didn't see it, you know, try to catch a replay, go online and let the Internet, you know, hook you up or something, because it is historic play. It is two greats at their craft. It was it wasn't tennis. It was art. Wow. That's what it was like. It was it was literally on that level. It was so compelling that when they hit the curfew and they were supposed to stop the match. Whoever was in charge said, no, we're going to extend it and let everybody stay out past curfew. The announcer says, that's so French. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, think about that. Think about our earlier conversation, Dad. What did I say about the French? Yeah, you said that 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 was the spot. Those are the you know the folks that that understand how things are supposed to work. And they no, I said they appreciate art. Yeah, okay. the arts. Yeah, exactly. Probably more than any other European yes, group. Yes, you did by you far. Did. Yeah, and so that's what he meant by that. Okay, when he said that's so French. In we're other not words, inter- we're not going to interrupt this this work of art. No, with nonsense because it's like if you stop the match and you bring it back, it's not going to be what it is right exactly. now in this moment. In this moment, yeah. you you can't stop this moment from happening <clears throat> because what's happening right now is clearly supposed to be happening right now. Exactly. So damn the curfew. There you go. You know, and and I applaud them for that. Shout out to whoever that was that made that decision. 
because um, you know to rob people of what we saw over a curfew would have just been idiotic yeah it would have been but it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been unprecedented because that's what typically happens yeah so i applaud them for for you know letting people live and letting people be able to experience greatness on that level because that was absolutely incredible absolutely incredible i'm giving you a standing ovation yeah and that's you know, the French Open, I think, uh, of all the tournaments, all the Grand Slam tournaments, is the one that lends itself to that because of the surface. And then you have guys who, are, like you said, are at the top of their craft. And you, you blend those two elements, you know, and then, of course, with the way that the whole thing was administrated, that makes for something super special. Sorry I didn't get, you know, a chance to see it. I can't remember the last time I sat and watched a tennis match. It's been years. That's actually surprising. That's, that's really, really surprising. I only say that because of how great tennis is now. You know, there's so much comp competition. There's so many great players, you know, both veterans in the game and young people coming up in the game. Um, so tennis is in great, great hands. It's got the attention of the public. The sponsorship is there now. So it's going to attract better players because it's actually more lucrative. So... You know, I, I'm glad that I've been able to witness this era of tennis, you know, seeing Venus and Serena popularize the sport and take the you know, level of play and athleticism in tennis to, a, to new levels and make everybody have to step up their game because they raised the bar. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, what you're seeing from a lot of these young players is a result of that, knowing like where the bar is now. OK, I got to be that good now. Um, so I'm really, really excited, you know, to see because, you know, Naomi, she's doing her thing, but Coco is coming. So y'all better be ready because this young girl, Coco, is coming and she is not playing when she when she develops a little bit more. and She come into her woman body like wait till she hit like 22, 23. Y'all, it's going to be a problem. No, that's the thing. A lot of times, though, in the past, most of the uh, tennis stars reached their peak early. You know, they tended to peak early. You had a lot of really, really young, like the Jennifer Capriotis of the world, and even Chris Everett, back to Chris Everett, when she was, um, when she was um, at the top of her game, they, they, they started dominating young. Steffi Groff, uh, Monica Sellis, all these older names, I think for some of y'all, depending on, you know, who we're talking to right now, but a lot of those people are folks that, People forgot about it. I can remember all the way back to Margaret Court and Billie Jean King. That's how old I am. And uh, then when Martina came on the on the scene and just changed the game with her with her strength and athleticism, that you know that changed the game completely because it was it was a totally different game before before her. You know, and that's that's something um, that whole thing about athleticism in different sports. Um, how we're that's that's something that's worthy of a show on its own because it's it's impacted all of sports golf in particular you see how the game has changed since tiger brought that level of strength and athleticism to golf golfers don't even look the same so you know like i said that's a, that's um that's a show in itself talking about the level of athleticism and how these different games have evolved over the past let's say 25 30 years you know, black folks are always going to be superior athletically, but when we're able to perfect the skill of a technical sport and then bring athleticism to that, like pair athleticism with that, 
we just take everything to another level. And that's what that's what Tiger was able to do. That's what Jordan was able to do, you know, master the fundamentals, paired with, you know, unbelievable athleticism, drive, mental focus. And, you know, you can't beat that guy. You just can't beat that guy. And and Tiger was the Michael Jordan of golf. Yeah. In that regard. And Serena was the Michael Jordan of tennis in that regard. Absolutely. You know, so now other players are realizing, okay. I got to get to that level, you know, not just athlete, not just, it's not enough just to be the most technically sound. I have to boost my strength and my athleticism, my endurance, my mental focus mm-hmm. to, All a, of those to a level where I can compete, you know, because, and the mental focus is the one that you can't necessarily quantify in a stat. It's not one that necessarily maybe you can see as easily, but it's one of the, the most important. And sometimes like, especially the last few years, I feel like Serena has been in her head a lot more, a lot more mental errors and unforced errors and beating herself in a lot of tournaments where she was against opponent who, against an opponent that shouldn't have been able to beat her. And um, I don't know. I just don't, sometimes it's so hard to maintain an edge when you've been on the top for so long. Exactly. You know, it's so hard and difficult to sustain that mentally. And I just think at, at some point you, you you wear out or burn out a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we kind of witnessed the, the burnout with Serena a little bit. Well, I think, you know, like you said a moment ago, the balance is hard to maintain. The, the, the type of razor focus it requires to be at the top of your game and then explore other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those things, you know, because life is going to happen. So when you start thinking about, well, you know, I've done all this in my professional life, but my personal life, I feel like is not in balance. So when you start focusing some of that attention, or I should say splitting some of that attention away, it's going to obviously it's going to have an impact. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you manage that balance? Some people, some people figure it out and others don't. And then you have to choose. You, you're going to have to choose, like, okay, is it, is it that important for me to be the very, very best at this? And will, or can I be content just being somebody who's competitive but not the best? Can I settle for that, or is it just more important for me to pursue my personal life? You know, and just say, hey, that time has passed. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to give that amount of attention to my professional life. I just rather do do this, you know, do the mommy thing or do the community service thing, whatever it is that you're doing. If you want to devote more time and energy to that, then, OK, that's that's well and good. But it's, it's nearly impossible to maintain that, that that the balance and have the same level of performance. Let's let's talk about these NBA playoffs. And, and, and that's a good point, Dad, because it's almost like you're forced to choose. Yeah to be great or be balanced. Mm-hmm. It's like if you want to be great on that level, it almost re- requires a level of imbalance. Yeah, Because of it how, does. how dedicated and how focused you have to be to that one endeavor. And it's almost like you have to sacrifice the balance, you know, for that. And, but then at a certain point, maybe you, you, you desire or need the balance more. And so it's harder to maintain that mental focus yeah. and harder to sacrifice those things. Yeah. So, 
when you're out there doing it, you're less present. You're less, you know. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that's that's just real life. Yeah, that's it just is. real life. And I think that that's at the point where you got to just kind of like take a step back and acknowledge, say, hey, it just is what it is. I need more balance. Yeah, right. I, I think that the best um, example of that, recent example at least, is Kobe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he he's you know, he gave every ounce of himself to to basketball. And then he got to the point where it's like, okay, that's that's it. Yeah. I'm done. You know, I'm now I'm gonna focus on things that the things that really matter. But he could leave he could leave in peace without regret. Absolutely. Because he really did give Absolutely. everything. Cause yeah, he didn't he didn't cheat the game, as as people say. And that's what you have to do. You have to you have to get to the point where you feel like, okay, I'm really not being true to the game yeah. anymore. I'm not being true to myself. I'm not being true to the game. I need to step away from this because my, you know, my heart and mind just isn't in it. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't have no problem with that. You know, just be true to yourself, you know, tell the truth, shame the devil, as they say. So let's, let's get into these NBA playoffs, B. I know there's, there's so much, <laughs> there's so much we could talk about, but let, I'm going to back up for just a second because I want you to speak on this because you've been talking about it. Let's talk about these postseason awards for a minute. And we can start anywhere you want, but I'm going to start where, where you had the most to say, and that's MVP. So go ahead and speak on this whole MVP thing. Well, I mean, <laughs> fortunately, you're getting to see Chris Paul go up against Joker and his team in the series. You know, so, I mean, I just think people are too enamored by stats. You know, and, and they don't pay attention to what's actually happening on the floor. They don't actually understand what they're seeing happen on the floor. But, you know, Chris Paul is clearly the most valuable player. You know, it's just like, I don't know how you could be watching the game and saying, yeah, that, that guy Joker, he's more valuable than Chris Paul. And honestly, let's be, I mean, think about it like this too, Dad. Think about it. Let's be honest. Would it be really any different if Jamal Murray was out there? That's a tough question for me. And I tell you why. Because basically you can see. I mean, based on the way Jamal Murray was playing this season. Well, before not, well, before based the on, injury. <laughs> no. It, it probably wouldn't be much different. It probably wouldn't be. It would be different, but not different enough to change the outcome. And Thank you. And then when you think about what he gives you defensively, he ain't about to stop Chris Paul. No. No. He ain't about to lock down Miles Bridges. No. He ain't none of that. So, you know, he might come out and give you a forty five point game and, you know, win you an extra game in the series or something like that. I could see that. But be the difference between winning and losing? It's like no. No. And Joker's playing well, but he just doesn't have enough help. He just doesn't have enough help. I told you that Aaron Gordon come playoff time wasn't gonna make that big of a difference. No. You know, no, I mean, he's and he's totally consumed with trying to guard Devin Booker on the on the defensive end. Yeah. And that's and that's yeah. that's a tough task. It is. You know, that's a tough task. And well, he's doing a good job. Actually, he is doing a really good job. You know, much better job than I anticipated him doing, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, you know. I just think that Phoenix is the best team. Yeah, they are in the West, you know, so I don't I don't see them, you know, not getting, 
you know, I don't, I don't see Utah beating them. You know, as good as Utah is playing, I'm like, I still don't see Utah beating them in this in a seven game series. Because that ultimately, that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have a, a perspective on it as of yet. I've been thinking about it, and I haven't really drawn any conclusions because obviously that's what's coming up. Because the the Phoenix series is over. Um, it was funny. Did you at halftime? You saw what Jalen and Jay were doing. They had their brooms out. Oh, <laughs> they had their brooms out. Even yeah. Elena said, "Man, Phoenix is going to sweep them." Well, I said that after game two, didn't I? Yeah, she she's watching the game with me last night, and she says, "Babe, I think <laughs> the, the Nuggets are about to get swept." I said, "You think so?" Like, it's fairly obvious, even if you're not a basketball aficionado, you're looking at this and you're saying, this other team don't even belong on the floor with them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it's really funny because we use that analogy a lot. It's like you could take a little kid into a gym who don't know nothing about basketball and say, okay, tell me who the best guy is. And they can watch it for about five, ten minutes and tell you that guy is the best guy. You know, because they're not hindered by bias. Objectivity is is clear. It's 100% objectivity. So they just look and see who's the best and say, that's the guy. Facts. You know, so that's what I say. When you got a neophyte, sometimes that, that, that fresh perspective is relevant. Mm-hmm. Because they're just looking at it through unclouded eyes. And they're just saying, okay, well, this team is clearly better than that team, whoever they are. I don't know who these guys are, but those guys are better than them. And and DeAndre Aiden, how the hell do you let the Joker get twenty rebounds? That should never freaking happen. See, it's shit like that that concerns me. Because yeah, if if you let him get twenty, how many is Rudy Gobert gonna have? It's <laughs> a good question. It's a good question. But speaking on DeAndre Aiden, I mean, okay, you got that criticism, but man, his evolution has been critical to Outs- their success. Outside of that, he has played very well. But Absolutely. you know me, I'm I'm just gonna pick at what's what's wrong or what's missing because when as you get to the more elite levels mm-hmm. all the little details matter more yeah, sustainability is this sustainable is this level of success just sustainable and i'm always think about it thinking about it from where you're going mm-hmm. not where you current i'm like okay because like we know okay they're going they're going to go right through this team because portland got cheated denver shouldn't even be there no. they should have been out in the first round but I'm glad that Portland did go in the first round Got rid of Terry because Stutz. it forced Portland's mm-hmm. hand to have to make a change. And when they kept overachieving, it was delaying their progress. Yeah. So, Same story. We're always talking about, please lose so we can get rid of this guy who shouldn't have the job. Yeah. Facts. And the other thing too, um, coach of the year, but the GM should be fired for, for hiring him and keeping him all that damn time. Yeah, absolutely. That's the other thing that um, we had talked about as it related to um, Boston, how how um, Brad got to stay and Danny is gone. I was like, man, they both should be gone. I didn't know how they were going to reconcile. That. I said, okay, if they if they filed if they fired Danny, Brad got to go. I feel like Brad could have done a better job had Danny done his job. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He could have given them better stuff to work with. It's like, you're going to be mad at the cook, and he can't even buy the damn groceries. Yeah. 
But I've been saying that I, I I never was as critical of Brad as I was of Danny. And you know Danny, and you know Brad is going to Danny like this is what we need to do, and Danny's not going to listen to no damn body. Well, apparently, obviously not. He's one of those guys that no, I got it figured all out. Man, they know? just blew that situation. They were sitting. They they were in the they were in the catbird seat, and they just like blew, blew it. it completely. Blew, blew it. it. So I don't I don't have no no feelings. No so, bad so Brad feelings. said. Give me a chance in the seat. I can't do no worse than this clown. Well. And they said, oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, but we'll see how that works out. But anyway, to this coach. Let's of the talk year. about the real series, though. Oh, 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 oh coach of the year. I want to talk about that because Monty not getting it over Tibbs. Yeah, you knew that. You know, you know, it's going to, if it's between a black coach and a white coach, they're going to give it to the white coach every time. They're always going to overlook the black coach. And when was his team had a better record? Yep. You know, his team has second best record in basketball. So he's had a he's had a greater impact in in a short amount of time. You know, Tibbs basically overachieved during the regular season with what he had. And they just rewarded it. No, well, they almost always do. They you almost know, always and do. And I'm just like, okay, that's all right. And it was the Knicks versus the Suns. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna Don't win matter. a media. You're not is. gonna win a media award when you're in a non-media center, in a non-media market. How many of those media members are black? Probably not Probably many. Probably ten percent. Probably less maybe, than that. Maybe ten percent at best. So there you go. But all these media awards are ridiculous. Now, if that media was say fifty percent black, how do you think it would have went? Oh, I think Monty would have won it hands down. Thank you. Hands down. So it's unfair from the beginning. But I don't even want to take it there. I mean, but just, it is. That's where it's at. Uh, but what I just, I really just wanted to stay on the whole media side of it. It was going to be Quinn or Tibbs. Monty mm-hmm. wasn't even a top two finalist. Yeah, but he got voted the award by his peers. Exactly. So that tells you what's up. So they all know what time of day it is. You know, why can't the media just go with what the coaches do? Well, that's why in, foot, in college football, they always had a coaches poll and a media poll. You know, the media shouldn't even get no it, damn say, clearly. Because half the time, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's like, if you can't watch the game and be like, this guy is clearly the, you know, it's like, and, and how is Doc Rivers not a finalist? It's ridiculous. He goes to the, to, to the team where Brett Brown was literally doing nothing. And now he got that team. What well, didn't they have uh, the number two record? Well, they had the number one record in the conference. Oh, I thought Brooklyn was ended up no, number one. No, so Philly they was so, one. so he took that team, ended up with the number one record. They in the playoffs and everything, and no, and they weren't. That wasn't where they were last year. The last three four years. No, Milwaukee. And, and there's no, absolutely no, like oh, you know what? Doc Rivers is really turning around this franchise. Man, he should be maybe he should be considered for Coach of the Year. None of that. None of that. And I'm telling you, it's because of who the media is comprised of. Well, last night they mentioned the fact that that Nate, coach of the, Nate McMillan, coach of the Hawks, has still got the interim label, even though you said that's just. It's a done deal. I know, but right now, publicly, he's still the interim coach. Do he look like he worried about it? No. Okay, man. Anyway, and the other thing is, but they love to they love to 
bring up those things when it's us. But when it's the when it's the other way around, they don't like to mention those things. They don't they don't do that when it's when it's not us. That's what I've noticed. And also it's time for James Jones to get some love. I mean He's gotta get some love. Half the people who who even follow basketball closely, even though he's the GM in Phoenix. They don't even know. If you ask, you could if you were to ask ten people who watch basketball every day, who's the GM in Phoenix? How many of them think would give you the right answer? No, nah, because Phoenix just became relevant, though. But that's what I'm talking about. They haven't been relevant for like 25 years. They ain't been to the finals since '93. This will be the first year that they go to. They've been to the finals since like '93. So you're saying they're going to the finals? Oh, they for sure going. Okay. Phoenix is going, barring injury, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, because think about it. I don't. I don't think any. I don't think either team from that Clippers Utah series is gonna beat them. I just don't see that. Even though Utah got the home court, I, I think. And, and see, the thing about it was, what Phoenix really should have been trying to do is knock Utah out that one spot because Utah is a real home court advantage that's one of the worst places to play mm -hmm. you don't want them to have the home court in the finals as michael jordan so because they barely got out of their lives to have to win two games in utah to win the series that's tough that's really really tough and, they and never, that's that's what it's going to take but when you when you think about the matchups because this is the thing that was infuriating me about the the clippers utah games is you cannot allow Guys like Bogdanovich to be a factor on the defensive end. He is like shutting Kawhi down. Like, how can that even be? Because the refs are allowing him to be way Beating more physical yep. than anybody else ever would. Yeah. And so it, the, the officiating is so skewed in the favor of Utah. It's damn ridiculous. It's damn ridiculous. Every time it should be a loose ball foul, they call some raggedy ass jump ball. I'm like, the guy didn't even touch the ball. Oh, he was just hanging all over Kawhi, all over his neck and everything. It's a clearly a foul. Well, all, it's clearly a foul. All that aside, Paul George and and Kawhi have to be the two best players on the floor. But if you're going to the basket at will and getting hacked and fouled, and you can't get a call, that weighs on you throughout the game. You know, and somebody it other on you. Somebody other than Reggie Jackson is going to have to step up for the Clippers too. Well, I mean, goddamn, they're getting wide open shots. And I mean, missing them. there's yeah. nobody in the camera shot when Marcus Morris has the ball. Nobody. It's it's practice, and he can't make a damn shot. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's like it's like, dude, the shot's going to be wide open. Put anybody in the spot. Who can make a shot? That's why Luke Kennard got to play. Yeah. Because Ty Lue said, well, hell, I can put Luke Kennard there. At least he'll make the shot. Nobody's guarding him. Nobody's guarding Marcus Morris. And did Terrence Mann play a minute in game two? No. And they asked Ty Lue about it. He said it was a coach's decision. He's, he's not in the rotation right now. Why? Yes. Why? That's the question we're asking you. Why isn't he? It's ridiculous. I can't hardly watch it. You know, I really, I can hardly watch it. After these first two games, I don't even want to see it anymore. Yeah, I, I didn't stop watching that series because it's just like, what the hell is Ty Lue doing? I just can't do it. What do you mean it's a coaching decision? 
after how well he played in the last games. So as far as we're concerned, the Western Conference is done. And we're, we're, I find us going back to where we started with this because I've been saying this for like two months now. I don't care what happens in the Western Conference because they're not going to win. And I don't know what the hell wrong with Brooklyn. It's like, how do you play that bad? How the hell that team only scored 83 points? Like I told, like I said, that 83? okay, eighty three points should have been what KD and Kyrie scored. Exactly, they should have had eighty three between the two of them. Exactly, it's just like, are you freaking kidding me? And they still almost won the yeah. game. Yeah, that's how bad Brooklyn, I mean uh, Milwaukee is. And I have to apologize because I said there is no way in the world that Milwaukee's ever going to shoot twenty percent from three again. I was wrong. They shot 19% from three. So, just like, oh, my God. Oh, my freaking God. Well, I didn't think that Atlanta would shoot 25% from three. No. And they did. Yeah. They just looked but, but, bad. But what was more troubling to me was what? Clint Capella's field goal percentage. Mm. How is Clint Capella's field goal percentage 37%? It never should be. Him that, and Collins, they got to be in the 80s. They got to be in the 80s. And Gallinari should be in the 60s. Because he should be shooting like 50% from the field, but he needs to go to the basket a lot more where he's, where he's making 90% of those layups and stuff. Because he can get layups and stuff anytime he wants because he can shoot. Yeah, and they have to respect him. And he's a big body. Every time he puts the ball on the floor, he gets to the basket. You, you got to foul him or he's going to score. And he makes all his free throws. All his free throws. You know, and, and I got to give Trey his props. He only turned the ball over three times. You know, um, they only turned over the ball 11 times as a team. And Philly only turned over the ball 10 times as yeah. a team in the game. Yeah. So as far as taking care of the ball, it was a much more efficient game. But the field goal percentages were atrocious. So instead of turnovers, it was bad offense. And guys were getting rebounds, long rebounds, and just getting out in transition and killing. You know, and it's like when you're when you're only making 26% of your threes, you can't shoot 25 of them. You just can't do that. You got to go to the basket and shoot more free throws. And they just never made that adjustment. It's like you can't just keep jacking up threes, jacking up threes, jacking up threes, thinking, oh, they're going to start falling. No, they're not falling today. They're not falling today. Well, aside from that. I mean, they just really looked flat. They really looked it's like flat. You had this was your opportunity to come out, yep, take control over the series, yep. and you let them come into your house and win two game, two games in a row. But not two games in a row in your house, but you let them come in and win. So now they've won two games in a row, and it's like that just can't. Now the momentum then swung completely Philly's way. Yeah, it has. And y'all got to stop fouling Embiid and bailing him out. Make him shoot that broke-ass jumper. Don't go for that raggedy-ass ball fake. It's like, why would you go for a fake anyway if he's shooting a three? Yes, let that's him what shoot he, it. That's what you want him to Wait do. Wait for him to shoot it and box his big ass out. Yeah. It's simple. Yeah. Fundamentals. Making the game harder than it's got to be. And then you just let him shoot 25 free throws a game. And that's why he ends up with 35 points. But he's only scoring 10 off the floor. So let him shoot. He made seven seven field goals. Most of the time, he'll score like 12 to 14 points on the floor. The rest is all free throws. 
12 so out of 16. So if you stop bailing him out and putting him on the line, he's not going to hurt you that bad. And Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris are not going to beat you. So even if they have good games, they're not going to beat you. And to make sure that them others don't do nothing. But stop trying to jack up a bunch of threes. We know y'all can shoot the three, but if it ain't going, go to the basket. Shoot them floaters. Toss them lobs to Capella. Get easy buckets. There just was no easy buckets for Atlanta in that game. No, and, and Philly's bench killed them. Philly's bench killed them, especially Korkmaz. It's like, come on. That's the thing that pissed me. Man, when Korkmaz started hitting shots, I yeah. turned the damn game off. <laughs> I said, y'all going to let this clown come in and, and make shots and get all confident and stuff? I was like, man, I, I'm turning this shit off. It was that bad. I said, if this is how they're going to play, I ain't watching this mess. All right, so you, we're saying, to wrap this up, we're saying that in the West, you got Utah and Phoenix playing in the, in the Western Conference Finals with Phoenix advancing. It's going to be Brooklyn and Phoenix is what I'm saying. Okay. You didn't even let me finish it, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Them is the only two teams. The rest of this is hogwash. Oh, God. Okay. So you feel you just completely Brooklyn dismissing Philly. Philly ain't nothing. Okay. All right. Atlanta, they shouldn't even beat Atlanta. Oh, but it looks like Atlanta going to funk around and blow it. Well, we'll see. We will see. We will see. Because there's only one game tonight, and that's the game I, we don't care about. I ain't watching about. that. <laughs> yeah, the Clippers and Utah. I'm like, I'm like Charles. I don't watch bad basketball. Yeah. So, I ain't I'm, got time to turn on the game to see Ty Lue got an attitude against one of his players that should be playing. So, and you're going to cost his team the game because he won't have a damn attitude with Terrence Mann. So the game is going to be on ABC, and I only bring that up because of this. They always got raggedy-ass broadcasts. That's the other thing. If it ain't on TNT, I'm not interested. I'm really not. I don't even have to ask the question. You ain't, you get an answer without the question. Because I just don't care about what Jalen Rose and what's-his-name got to say. I just don't. Now, now, Charles, Ernie, Shaq, Kenny, that's, that's must-see TV. They should have every playoff game. Every playoff game should be on TNT. I'm sure TNT would love ABC to do it. ABC raggedy as hell. They would love to do it. I don't even like watching the games on ABC. That's why I can't stand that they always have the NBA Finals every year. It's like, how they get the... The raggediest broadcaster has the most important series. That just don't make no sense. The one thing I will say, I'm shout this guy out. I got to shout out Mark Jones, um, the, who does do the, the games on ABC, unfortunately for him. Mark Jones is top notch. He need to get the hell away from them. He is top notch. He need he is, to be on TNT. He's one of the very best in the business, and he just seems like a great guy. But this is the other thing that I think you'll find surprising. He is the regular broadcaster for the Kings. Oh, that's interesting. He I, and Doug Christie do the Kings game. I would rather be... Oh, I know who you're talking about. Mark Jones. Yeah, I know who you're talking yes. about. Oh, yeah, he's top-notch. He's top-notch. Because, yeah. you know, I watch the Kings play. Mm-hmm. Because uh, De'Aaron Fox is a superstar. And, um, oh, what was I going to say? I didn't, I didn't drew a blank. You were talking about TNT and Mark Jones and whatever. Oh, yeah, they need to put him on there with, uh, with Charles. I would love to see him and Charles... Like, put him in Kenny's spot and have Shaq, Ernie, him, and Charles. 
Yeah, but he's a play-by-play announcer. Yeah, but exactly. So he who's seeing more games than him? Oh, he's seen and he's been in the business for a minute. Thank you. So his so his analysis of what's happening and like the, seeing the development of players over time and from game to game, like he has a great perspective. Oh yeah. You know, and I oh, would, yeah. and I would love to see him interact with those guys. You know, um, I would love to see that. Wait, with the way ESPN and ABC are doing things, you might get your hell, <laughs> you might I, get your wish. Hell, I'd, ra- I'd rather the NBA Finals be on NBA TV than ABC. Well, that's pretty bad. At least NBA TV got good people though. Yeah. Over there, yeah, they do. They got really good people over there. Yeah, they do. In terms of like broadcasting analysts, mm-hmm. play by play, mm-hmm. they got great people over there. Everybody from you know Grant Hill to Smitty. They got Chris uh, and Ledlow. They got old boy that does my show that I love that does all the hip hop stuff. I can never remember his name. Ro Parrish. Yeah, him. I love him. Uh, they be having uh, uh, Kevin McHale on there sometimes. They mm-hmm. be having uh, uh, Sam Mitchell on there. I they love be, Sam. They be they have good people on there. You know, so I, Sam uh, is funny. They have Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. So they have a really really good mix of people who are really really good. They I'd also, rather see them get the. Broadcast. There's another guy who I really like that you didn't mention. That's Brendan Haywood. Oh yeah yeah that's who that's who, that's the other guy I was trying to think of. Is he be on the on the show with that with Smitty? Yeah. And uh, Ro Parish. Ro Parish all the yeah. time. And I love them three together. Love them three together. Brendan Haywood is ten times better as a broadcaster than he was as a player. Yes, he I, he I sucked agree. as a player. <laughs> he really sucked. I think he sucked, but he's but he's better at this than he yeah, was at playing. I mean, he's sure. found his niche. He's way better as a broadcaster than he was as a player. He's got personality. Yeah, shout out to Brendan Haywood and, though. and um, really intelligent. You know, super bright guy. Yeah, super bright. Um, very very well fit for this. Yeah, NBA TV hires well. They also, really do hire well. Also, Drew Gooden does a great job on the Wizards broadcast. I I really don't watch the Wizards, so yeah, Drew Gooden does a great job. He's the color analyst for for the uh, Wizards on on TV on the TV side, and he does a really great job. Um, I can't think of the guy who's his broadcast partner right now, but they do a great job for the Wizards. So shout out also to Drew Gooden, who does an awesome job. What's interesting is like some of the smaller market teams have some of the best broadcasting. Yeah, absolutely. You know the, the guy, lo- the lo- guy here in San Diego that does the Padres, Jesse Agler, is fantastic. Jesse Agler is top notch. He's way bigger than San Diego. One of these days, he's probably going to end up in L.A. Yeah, or New York doing their doing their doing their stuff because Jesse Agler is is super, and you know Magic will snatch somebody quick. Yeah, Jesse is 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 nice. He's really really nice. Oh, shout out to Pat Riley for that tampering. <laughs> <laughs> he gonna put the key under the mat. Yeah, I saw that. Then I meant to text you about that. Uh, I didn't even get I didn't even get to it, but man, that had me rolling. Man, that you know had, what? I, don't, I literally cried laughing when I saw that. You know, well, LeBron, you is definitely the king. He may be the king of petty because he's changing his damn number. What's that all about? Wait, 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 wait. What? LeBron is going back to number six. Oh, I didn't hear about that. I didn't know any, anything about that. Anyway, is that why Pat Riley made the comment? Anyway, it probably is because he was only wearing number six when he was with him with the with the Heat. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure that's what prompted that. But 
LeBron, and, and, and LeBron, LeBron. You know what's interesting about that? I think about their makeup, and I came. I said, man, if you added LeBron to that team, LeBron ain't going nowhere. He's I, done. But I think about the other teams that are in the East. I still don't know if they would have enough. It's like they still ain't better than Brooklyn. You even with LeBron, they're not better than Brooklyn. Well, you would get some argument on that, but anyway. Um, oh, this is something I found out like a couple of days ago, and I don't know how I didn't know this. This has nothing to do with basketball, but Shock G passed away. Oh, yeah, that, that happened like a month ago. Yeah, in April. It happened in April. Oh, two and I was months like, ago. How did I not know that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, what do you think about that? Do you think it is what they say it was? <sighs> you know, honestly, I haven't given it a whole, whole lot of thought, but I just remember shock g music in the 90s you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i was we were hearing shock g on the radio mm -hmm. in the 90s because you know, digital underground, digital underground yeah. stuff was was popping at that time yeah and shock wasn't you know, no young cat shock's only four years younger than me you know so shock but i just always liked how smooth he was mm -hmm. and like he just had that laid back like player vibe yeah you know what i mean yeah and um I just loved the way he articulated himself on records. Mm -hmm. You know, because it wasn't, it was always like clever and articulate. Yeah. Yeah. It was never like, and even though the songs were like lighthearted and fun, he always brought that element, you know, to a record. You know, like his verse on uh, I Get Around. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, li I like how he shows like different sides and different, e you know, emotions. In, in in one record yeah of the man you know what i'm saying well so. it, it showed i think he illustrated the complexity that his personal complexity right but it also shows that how complex you know we can be as mm -hmm. males uh-huh you know i think a lot of times you know i like when people showcase that because i feel like women tend to think that we lack that you know so i i was always like shock g for that reason and when you put him up against you know somebody who's like energetic and percussive like Pac, it was such a nice contrast yeah absolutely on the record. absolutely and i'm sure he appreciated that because he started out as a percussionist mm. Mm. yeah he started out as a percussionist taught himself how to play piano oh okay nice nice yeah I can, anyway, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. So anyway, shout out to belated shout out to Shock G. I didn't even know. Uh, and I guess I was under that rock for that period of time. And I loved me some Shock G. I was a big fan. So. Yeah. Rest in peace, G. Rest in peace. Yeah. 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 The world is not a better place with you being gone, but you left a nice legacy. So we'll hang on to that. You got anything else, B? No, no, I'm just, I'm just like so mad that the Clippers ain't even worth. I mean, I knew they weren't gonna be, but it's still like you just hope that they'll exceed your expectation. Um, but no, they, they, they showed why we have no expectations for them. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, we hope, but we don't expect. You know, the I'm, I'm just so sick of you know PG just jacking up a bunch of shots and shooting a horrible percentage. It's like, you know you're just not shooting well. Go to the damn basket. You like 6'8". Mm -hmm. Go to the damn basket. Get to the free throw line. Make the refs have to give you a call. Yeah, we were all excited and pumped for these playoffs, but they've been pretty much like the rest of the season. Raggedy. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
I'm, I'm done. All right. <laughs> You're killing me today. All right, B, I'm done. We will not be watching the game tonight. That's That much is for sure. So next time we, we holler at you, we'll be talking about something other than the clip. <laughs> And Utah. We'll it's be, like, I hope Utah sweep their ass. So hopefully, you know, the Just Bucks. So we ain't got to talk about them no more. The Bucks, yeah, because the and Western. So that they fired Ty Lue ass, too. The Western Conference Finals uh, Series um, contest will be done, and we'll be able to talk about something we care about. Peace and love, everybody. Yes, 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 yes. Peace and love. Um, sugar free, signing out. The golden rule never talk to strangers, never serve a fiend you never seen. If you get your cream, you split it with your team. I can get it there, whatever you need. He moved the zip, I ate the whole cake. If you're holding weight, you move it out of state, nigga. They call me the transporter. I'm good from three point range. Call me Terry Porter. Switch. No talking, no tape recorder. Ain't worried about getting caught. I'm crossing the border. A hundred G's paid to retain a lawyer. I paid the fees to move to La Jolla. A pit bull like a Georgetown Hoya. You the employee and I'm the employer. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. In the name of show, show, I'ma smash the gas. Yeah. Smoking my juicy fruit in pursuit of cash. And I bring the house of pain like I was everlast. Ever since a young nigga labeled me an outcast. I'm going balls out, my back's against the wall. Big balls, about the size of a tennis ball. Big ball. Shit. I'll show you how to ball out Hit the game like a nuclear fallout If you win the distance, I'm the one you should call out I'm on a mission, player, I never sold out I took the other route, I went against the grain Me and my nigga, man, we the ones to follow We some girls, niggas, we going full throttle Got a fifth in Hennessy and I'ma drink the whole bottle Pocket full of money, player, feeling like I won the lotto Got a bad bitch, call her America's top model Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I do whatever it takes. Uh, I do whatever it takes. Uh, I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I told you, nigga. You know my persona. I'm a soldier, nigga. Deputy for designer. Yelling, ain't no peace till the niggas get it peace. While I flip my middle finger to your honor. Smoking on the finest marijuana I can find. Up on the money gang, we throwing up dollar signs. We on the grind like each and every day, seven days a week. 24 7, 365. The last time I checked. It was all about the money, power, and respect I'm certified solid, better check my rep You couldn't see through me if you was looking at my silhouette Blood in my eye like the great George Jackson We bout to take it, we ain't asking to say the least I put that on my brother's dead and deceased I'll be a rider till I rest in peace Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes to get it, man.